uh, one of my favorite uh, TV shows was Quantum Leap. Any other Quantum Leap fans out there? Yeah, it was a good show. Uh, the show features a scientist named, named Dr. Sam Beckett who actually gets stuck uh, traveling through time inhabiting the, the bodies of people who need help. And at the beginning of every episode, he transports into, he leaps into a, a, a new person, a new body, and he uh, realizes who he's in when he looks in a mirror and figures out, oh, I'm this person for this episode. And after he's helped them, he goes ahead and leaps into a new body to help somebody else. Now, the show ran for five seasons and was hugely popular. The series finale, however, was both confusing and disappointing for fans, and it's routinely understood to be one of the worst TV series finales in all of television history. Uh, in the episode, Sam leaps into his own body, which you saw, in a coal miner's bar. And the bartender apparently understands quantum physics and explains quantum leaping to him and tells, him, tells Sam that actually you can go home to where you came from anytime you want. And with this information, Sam actually decides to leap through time to help a friend. And then the episode and the series end with a simple note at the beginning of the credits says that Dr. Sam Beckett never returned home. Now, there has been endless debate since about what show creator Don Belisario intended with the ending. Why did Sam never return home? Where did he go next? Whatever happened, why? Fans only learned later that the show was actually not supposed to end there. The creator had a different ending in mind, had hoped to write another season or two. The studio kept him up in the air about the show's future, and at the last minute, the studio decided to cancel it, and this note at the end was rushed into production to give the show some type of closure, which is why they even spelled Dr. Sam Beckett's name wrong in the closing card. It's hard to get endings right, very few TV shows end well. One of our favorite things to do as viewers is to hate on endings. Watching the last episode to Lost was one of the worst hours of my life, and I have seen a few. But maybe you feel the same way about The Sopranos or Game of Thrones or How I Met Your Mother. I mean, yeah, see, you can feel the passion in the room right now. Uh, we invest hours of our lives into these characters, hoping the story ties up, only to be left with unanswered questions and an ending that just feels dumb. Endings can be tricky, even controversial, but we don't need television to tell us this. We need only read the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> It's like that tie in there. So, of course, I'm not here to talk to you about 90s TV shows this morning. This is Easter. I'm here to talk to you about Jesus. Easter, Easter is the ultimate ending. On Easter, we remember that in the end, good triumphs over evil, life over death, God over Satan. After the end of a long week of suffering, Jesus rises from the dead and gives us a picture of what the end of our lives might be like. But honestly, the story of Easter, as is told in Scripture, does not end as tidily or as perfectly as we think, at least not in the Gospel of Mark. You see, the ending of Mark's gospel is a lot more complicated than that. It's somewhat anticlimactic, it's even controversial, and it has inspired endless debate. But the ending gives us plenty of important, interesting thing, things to talk about this Easter morning. Let's back up a bit, though. So maybe you're new to the Bible. So the Bible, which, in which case, great, glad you're here. Maybe you're new to the Bible. The Bible is God's gift to us. It tells the story of his 
uh, plan to redeem humanity and all of creation from sin and death. And this plan involved the arrival of his son to earth, Jesus, who walked the earth, died on the cross for our sins, and then rose from the dead. Now, in the Bible, there are four books, four books that tell the story of Jesus. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right. Now, it is widely accepted by scholars that the earliest written of these books is Mark. Mark is also the shortest of these books. Uh, Mark, for example, does not spend a lot of time, or any, talking about the birth of Jesus. And while he does describe Jesus' crucifixion, his description of Christ's resurrection is frustratingly sparse. Let me show you what I mean, and we'll talk about it this morning. Let me read to you from the ending of the Gospel of Mark. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go. Tell his disciples and Peter he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. That's the end to the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> That's the ending of the book. Early Sunday morning, three of Jesus' female followers head to the tomb to anoint the body. On the way, it occurs to them that they have no way to roll this massive stone away from the tomb. Now, one is tempted to judge them for not anticipating this problem. In fact, years ago, I wrote this in my Bible. Boy, that was poor planning. <laughs> That's in my Bible. Then again, I mean, let's cut them some slack. They just lost their friend, their mentor. They were grieving, so let's, let's give them a break. Anyway, they get there, and it turns out the stone has already been moved. Uh, we don't know how it was moved. We don't know when it was moved, but the tomb is wide open. Creeping in, they find a man in white, who is almost surely an angel, who tells them not to be alarmed. He tells them Jesus is not dead, but, he, but, he's, but he's not here. And they should go tell his disciples that they will catch up with them in Galilee. And then the women run off terrified and say nothing to nobody. That's the ending to Mark. <laughs> we don't see Jesus. We don't see the disciples again. The women run off scared. It cuts to black. This is worse than Quantum Leap. <laughs> this is worse than The Sopranos. It's almost, but not quite, worse than Lost. <laughs> now, we'll talk about the non-ending in a second. But first, let me point out that this is actually quite consistent with the way Mark writes his gospel. Uh, you see, each of the four gospel writers emphasize different themes in their book. John, for example, uh, emphasizes the power of Jesus' words. Uh, Luke emphasizes Jesus' teachings on money. Matthew emphasizes Jesus' fulfillment of prophecy. And in his gospel, Mark, 
He really emphasizes the humanity, even the obtuseness of Jesus' followers. In Mark, more than any other gospel, the disciples are just dumb. One of my seminary professors says that in Mark, we read about the disciples. <laughs> I had some pretty good seminary professors. And in this episode, it fits right in. I mean, these very sincere, crestfallen women don't even think about moving the stone. Duh. They meet the angel, and instead of rejoicing with the news, they run away terrified and don't do what he asks. I mean, Mark is the gospel written for Larry Moe and Curly. In fact, honestly, it's one of the reasons I like the gospel of Mark. These are my people. <laughs> I, I am one of them. Just, just as dumb and disobedient as they are. The, the Lord gives me things to do, and I directly disobey them. I, I fail to plan. <laughs> I fail to think. I fail to obey. I fail to comprehend. I fail. Sometimes I'm just dumb. Uh, recently, I was doing some work under my sink, for example. I was fixing the garbage disposal, and it was really tight. It was really dark down there underneath the sink, and I, I was really cramped. I don't know if you've ever <clears throat> done that. It's really, yeah, it's very painful and very difficult, and you're cramped, and I was very frustrated. I couldn't see, and I was like fumbling with the unit, and it was dark. And I couldn't see, so finally, I went to go get a, a, um, a, a light sword, a light flash, flashlight, <laughs> flashlight. <laughs> done <laughs> this is my point right I, the words they're just not so I went to get a light uh, flashlight <laughs> but I was like having the whole the hardest time like holding it like while repairing the the the, the thing and I had it here and I was and I finally did it I think I like you know, pulled a muscle in my neck, and I was not my best Christian self during this project. But finally, I got it done, and I was clearing out everything from underneath the sink. And as I'm pulling my head out of the sink, this like thing, like is like, just catches my eye. And as I'm pulling, my, I turn my head, and it's a light bulb <laughs> with a little like I don't like a string that you like pull on, and it turns on. And like illuminates like all underneath the sink. It was like right there the whole time. I'm like fixing it the whole time. It's just there. And here's what's crazy. I think I like knew it was there. Because I think I installed it. <laughs> and I just forgot that it was there. I just, I'm just, sometimes, I'm just dumb. I'm just... And I'm a pastor to whom God has given incredible spiritual authority and power, but also just such a, a dummy. Here's the thing, though. Am I alone? No. Yes? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I don't think so. But, but here's the very good news of Easter morning, people. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for dummies like us. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for his disciples. You don't got to have a PhD. You don't got to be smart. You don't got to understand stuff. You, you don't have to get the words out of your mouth. You don't know how to call the light. You don't have to know any of that stuff. Jesus rose for dummies. Now, that's very good news. It really is. That's very good news. But it's actually not what I want to talk to you about this morning. 
we still have this very odd ending of Mark to deal with. I don't want to criticize the author, <laughs> but <laughs> this is not how you end the greatest story ever told. I mean, there's no appearance of the hero. There's no reunion between the hero and his people. We don't get to see Jesus victorious. It's just a weird ending. I mean, think about this with respect to Beauty and the Beast. How would Beauty and the Beast end if it were the Gospel of Mark? Well, we would hear a rumor from a townsperson that the beast was not dead, and Lumiere and Cogsworth would run screaming from the castle. That's not going to be turned into a live-action film. In fact, the ending to Mark is so dissatisfying that many readers over the centuries have theorized, they have theorized that the actual ending got accidentally torn off. Like the last page of a paperback, you know, you're reading a whodunit, the last page, like, whodunit? Ah! And maybe you know that the gospel actually has a so-called longer ending that appears in many Bibles. If you look in your Bible, there's a longer ending there. And in this longer ending, the women end up spreading the word. Jesus makes a final appearance. Uh, and his disciples get sent out into the world with some nice instructions. It's a nice, perfect ending. The only thing is, it's really not that perfect of an ending. It's kind of weird, in fact, if you read it. And it's not found in most of the, all of the early manuscripts. Almost certainly some early scribes were really dissatisfied with the ending to the series, and they sort of wrote in a new one. And for the record, TV producers do this too. If fans complain loudly enough about the ending of their favorite series, uh, the producer's like, okay, all right, we'll try again. Uh, how many shows get reboots because fans weren't satisfied with the ending? Quantum Leap got a reboot because fans weren't satisfied with the ending. We all want happy endings. Now, I will admit that the ending of Mark is awkward, but here's the thing. The reason it's awkward is simple, and it's this. It's not supposed to be the end. Mark wasn't writing a series finale. He was writing a season finale. He wasn't intending to wrap up all the plot lines and the characters in the loose ends. Now, now I'm not saying that he got canceled or that he died or anything before he could write you know, chapter 17. <laughs> No, I'm not saying that. I think he meant the story to continue through us. We're the loose ends. We're the next season. How so? Well, think about it, okay? What does the angel tell the women? He tells them to not be alarmed. Jesus is risen. Go tell the disciples, go to Galilee. What do the women do? Not that, <laughs> The end. <laughs> How are we supposed to feel at reading that? We're supposed to think, no! You, you were supposed to go tell the disciples. You were supposed to go to Galilee. You weren't supposed to be alarmed. And here you are running off afraid. You see, that's the thing. Mark is a storyteller. And he's eliciting a reaction from us. He's writing a movie with characters doing dumb things, so dumb that we're like screaming at the movie screen. You know how you're watching the movie and the characters are doing dumb things? You're like screaming at the movie screen. Don't go into the scary house. Don't do it. Don't turn the doorknob. Don't do it. That's what Mark is doing. He ends the story this way to make us feel regret for them. He wants us to feel mad. He wants us to feel sad. And he wants us to feel motivated. To obey where they did not. What do I mean? Well, what does the angel tell the women to do? Two things primarily. Tell the disciples and go to Galilee. That's what Mark's telling us to do. 
Tell the disciples and go to Galilee. He's telling us to write the next season by doing what they didn't. Tell the disciples and go to Galilee. What does that look like? Well, before we close, that's what I want to talk to you about. First, tell the disciples. That's what the angel tells them to do. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He's risen. It's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go. Tell the disciples. And Peter. What were they to do first of all? Tell Peter and the disciples that Jesus was raised. Peter was the lead disciple. But they all needed to know that Jesus was not dead. They thought he was. They saw him die as soon as possible. They needed to know that their friend and leader was alive. The women needed to go tell them. Now, I don't want to get too distracted here, but I do want to point out, as many have, that this little detail actually adds a lot of credibility to the, resurrect, to the account of the resurrection. So it's crazy. It's crazy that a man rose from the dead, right? We're on the same page. It's crazy that a man rose from the dead. The early Christians wanted to tell the world that Jesus rose from the dead, but they knew that people were going to have a hard time believing that. People generally don't raise from the dead. They knew they were going to run into some skeptics. Now, if Mark had wanted to tell the story of the resurrection in the most persuasive and compelling way, he would not have told it like this. For starters, he would not have included women as the primary witnesses. Back in the first century, women were generally not regarded as reliable. It was an unfair judgment. They were not regarded as reliable. Their testimony, the testimony of women, was not even accepted in court. So if Mark and the other gospel writers were inventing a story about the resurrection in a way that might be believable, these women would not have been their primary witnesses. The point I'm making is that this detail of the angel appearing to women suggests that the author, Mark, is not really concerned with passing it off as believable. He's far more concerned with describing it as it happened. Why else would you include this embarrassing detail about the angel appearing to women unless it actually happened? But that, this is, he has risen indeed. It happened. But that just raises the question, why were these women chosen to be the first evangelists? I mean, this seems like a, a dumb thing for even the angel to do if you're trying to convince people in the first century that this really happened. Why choose the legally least credible people? Because God doesn't care about that. God doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care what your gender is. He just wants you to know. He just wants you to tell. I mean, the women are the ones sent out by the angel for a simple reason. They showed up. They were there. While the men were like, <laughs> look in their wounds. You know, emailing the TV producers, asking for a better ending. Hey, it was supposed to happen differently. The women went to the tomb to anoint the body. I think this is very important. God gives big jobs to little people who show up. You showed up this morning. You might not have been prepared. You might not have thought about, well, let's take it. there's a big rock in front of the tomb. You might not have thought about that. You might be the lowest on the social ladder, but you showed up. And the angel has something for you to do. What is it? Tell the disciples. Tell the world. 
me. I need to know. I need to know that Jesus rose from the dead. You know why I need to know that? Because I forget. Because I'm a dummy. I forget that there's like a light bulb that I installed underneath the sink. I forget that God came to earth as a man, rose from the dead, and defeated the power of death. And I don't need to fear death anymore. I forget that Jesus reigns and rules over my sin, which has been nailed to the cross. And that God is more powerful than my lust, than my anger, than my anxiety. I forget that I need not fear death. I forget. Tell me. Tell me, a disciple. Maybe you forget that too. Maybe you're as dumb as I am and you need to hear it again. He is risen. He is risen what? Risen indeed. Number one, tell the disciples, Jesus is alive. What else does the angel tell them to do? Well, tell the disciples, go to Galilee. As the angel goes on, but go tell his disciples of Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Go to Galilee. Now, this just as he told you thing, it's actually a callback to a prophecy that Jesus makes earlier in Mark chapter 14. At the Last Supper, so at the Passover meal, uh, Jesus is eating with his disciples, and he's sort of preparing them for some ugly events that are about to happen, including his betrayal. And this is what he says. You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So the angel was just reminding the women where Jesus said he was going to meet them all. Now, why Galilee? Maybe you know where Galilee is. It's a rural district north of Jerusalem. There's a map here, rural district up there. Sort of a lake community, but not like a nice one, not like Lake St. Louis or anything. It was sort of Jesus' home base, Galilee was. Now, in the Bible, places are very important. When people hear the name of places, they think things kind of like we do when we play the Where'd You Go to High School game, right? We judge one another based on, you know, where we were educated. Uh, you know, you went to the Smet? Oh, I get it. <laughs> you went to Ladue? Say no more. You went to Fox? Mm hmm. <laughs> you went to Webster? Mm hmm. You went to Afton? Mm hmm. Do they even have, like, running water in Afton? <laughs> yeah, we got, like, cricks and stuff, like, yeah, running water. Yeah. Cricks? That's what we call them down here in Afton. <laughs> yeah. Just like us, people in the Bible thought things when they heard of places. And what did people think of when they heard of Galilee? Well, hmm. Galilee was an impoverished rural area. Lots of poor people in Galilee. Didn't have hospitals, or social services, or electricity. It was on the outskirts of Israel. It's where Jesus set up his shop. The prophet Isaiah even predicts that when the Messiah arrives, he will arrive in Galilee, the land of the Gentiles. Why would Jesus go to Galilee? Because that's where there are people who need to see the power of God. That's why Jesus tells the angel to tell the women to tell the disciples. They'll see them in Galilee. I'll see you back at work, he's telling them. I'm going back to work. I'll see you back on the job. We're going to go tell the world that the Messiah is alive. And we're going to start in Galilee. Now, the women don't immediately do that. We actually learn in Matthew and Luke 
that eventually they do. But at least in Mark, they don't. That's supposed to break our hearts. It's supposed to make us mad and scream at the television. No, that can't be the end. That's the unsatisfying ending, but it's intentional. It's supposed to motivate us where it didn't motivate them. Mark's writing to us. Mark's writing to, uh, to you. I mean, just like the disciples, you came here this morning looking for Jesus, right? That's why you're here. You came here this morning looking for Jesus. I've got good news for you, and I got bad news for you. The good news is, he's risen. He's alive. He's risen indeed. The bad news, he's not here. He's not here. He's in Galilee. You want to see him? Go to Galilee. Where is Galilee? Galilee is anywhere there is need. That's where God will reveal to us his resurrection power as we are serving people, one another, with Jesus. Galilee is on the streets of St. Louis with the homeless where we serve every Monday night. Galilee is in the foster care system where thousands of children await a forever home that we can maybe provide. Galilee is in Reynosa, Mexico, where we build homes twice a year. Galilee is in your neighborhood, which is filled with people who need to know their lives need an end in death. Galilee is in our schools where students are struggling with questions of identity and sexuality that God can help with. Galilee is in nursing homes where the elderly are wondering if they've been forgotten. That's where Galilee is. It's where he wants to meet us in Galilee. You want to see Jesus? Go there. So I know you came to see Jesus this morning. He's alive. He is risen, but he's not here, don't get me wrong, he wants to see you, but he wants to meet you on the streets. Among the poor, telling the disciples in all the world that he rose from the dead, just as he said, if the gospel of Mark ends awkwardly, and it does, it's because the story's not over yet. We're still writing it. Be your own conclusion to the show that hasn't ended. Happy Easter. Let's pray.